Welcome to the Positive Education Podcast with Ash Manuel. As we know, the number one hot topic in the world is mental well-being. Ash has worked with close to 1,000 organisations impacting more than a quarter of a million people, including schools, sports teams and businesses across 45 countries. Today, Ash is regarded as a global thought leader in positive education. In this podcast, you'll hear stories, information and actionable ideas from positive education and well-being experts. The purpose of the podcast is so that you take away ideas that you can execute in your classroom, across your school, at your sports club and in your organisation, plus tips and tricks that you can apply in your own life. Hey everyone, I'm Ash Spaniel and today I'm talking with Kevin Hill. Kevin is principal of Everton Primary School in rural Victoria, a school with only seven students. Everton is a town of approximately 200 people and is located 272 kilometres northeast of Melbourne, with the closest town being Wangaratta. I really wanted to talk to Kevin today about what life is like, what life is really like at a tiny rural school. And I think you'll find this conversation really quite fascinating. Now, Kevin is also part of a busy family. His wife, Carrie, is an accountant and CEO of All Family Portfolios. His daughter, Emma, is completing her year 12. His son, Archer, is a talented soccer player and is also an avid fisherman and, and camper. And his youngest son, Patrick, has just started high school and he's also a keen soccer player and fisherman also. And Kevin himself is also involved in the over 35s soccer um, as well in the local area. Now, rural communities have always played a formative part of Kevin's growth and attitude, having played various sports at nearby townships to his home in Wangaratta, including Tara, Violet Town, Everton and wider districts. The warm, welcoming nature of the clubs that put a major focus on the afternoon tea and having a laugh with teammates and opposition was a major drawcard for Kevin being involved in the sport. So the way that Kevin ended up in teaching, and he'll explain a bit more about this in our conversation, is he was a tennis coach. And in his late 20s, he actually went back um, or went to university to do his teaching degree at CS University. And um, and also uh, when he graduated, he had he's had various roles within the Wangaratta area. And in the last five years, he has been principal of Everton Primary School. And also he has um, been involved in uh, different community leading different community practices, particularly those focusing on trauma informed practice in schools. And is and he's also currently the treasurer for the Country Education Partnership. Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Ash. Uh, happy to be here, mate. Fantastic, mate. No, I really appreciate you coming on. I really wanted to have a conversation with you, particularly about what life is like at a, at a regional or a little rural school. Um, I've always been fascinated with those small schools about how they work and the challenges that come with that. Because from the outside, like from a person who, oh, there's only seven kids at the school, it can't be that hard. I don't know if it, I don't know if it is that simple. Um, and I want to dive a bit more deeper into that today. But first of all, I just want to find out a little bit more about how, or about, a bit about your background and how you got into teaching um, in the first place and how you came to be principal at Everton Primary School. Yeah, great. Um, you're right. I do get all those questions uh, regularly. I uh, surround myself with honest people. So uh, <laughs> I hear all that sort of stuff all the time. Mate. Um, I, I was late to teaching. Uh, it was probably more one of those calling things that even though I didn't go straight uh, from uh, from primary school to secondary school, off to big kids school at university, 
trips in and back into schools like uh, lots of it, my organised colleagues. Um, spent 10 years uh, doing a variety of roles in a variety of industries. So um, I wouldn't change it. Uh, I mean, good on those people who are organised and know what they're doing early. Uh, that wasn't me. Um, it's just taken me a little bit to uh, to find my path and 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 i think it's been good to be able to apply those things um now with a little bit more width so um purchasing in um sawmills in warehousing assistant manager for uh, lawrence and hansen electrical wholesaler um involved in workplace training uh but probably the one consistent through all that uh from my late teens into um throughout my 20s was tennis coaching mm. So that's probably what led me in the most. Yeah, absolutely. And and how did you come to be at Everton? Yeah, so um, just really enjoyed the the tennis coaching process. So one day, uh, my my lovely wife was uh, up crook with a sore back, pinched sciatic nerve, and uh, and it was just that moment in our life where we went. Um, probably due for a change, whether it was a small business or whether it was time to retrain. Um, and just took this leap of faith, made a phone call uh, to a university. And uh, the next day uh, I called into work and said, um, in three weeks time, I start university. So it was a, it was a whirlwind. Um, uh, did four years there, uh, thankfully locally as we're building our young family. Um, yep four years up at Thaguna, uh, shout out to Charles Sturt, and uh, then did uh, tracks locally, worked for some uh, regional schools for seven years, and then ended up um, taking on an acting role uh, here at Everton Primary School, which is about 20 minutes from my uh, home. Yep. Oh, fantastic. So, and you've been principal for five years at Everton? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Correct. So, how long were you teaching before before you came principal? A uh, principal. Uh, it was around about the seven year mark. Yeah. Um, along that way, like I managed to uh, do a lot of extra uh, roles around uh, my previous school at, at Glen Rowan Primary School, about a hundred kids, uh, similar distance away from where I'm my base. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just um had a, an excellent understanding uh, boss over that way who just gently led me into all the different portfolios that you have to be over. So um, filled in for him so he could get some long service and a bit of respite uh, and uh, and then over to Everton. So. Oh, fantastic. Now, mate, what's seven students? Now, as I said before, it seems like it wouldn't be that, I don't know, from an outsider who said, like, if you told me that you've got seven students at your school, I mean, I've got a teaching background, so it's. It, I came from a school, the last school that I taught at had 560 kids, um, and but then you can't hear a school that's got seven. Now, obviously, there's different age groups along there, so you've probably got five-year-olds right through to probably 12-year-olds. Um, so what are some of the, I guess, the positives about having those or having such a small school and then some of the challenges? So maybe start off with a few of the positive things that I guess the kids get to experience and you as a principal and other staff there at the school. Um, and then also some of the challenges that come along with that. Uh, so do get that exact statement a little bit, uh, <laughs> Ash. Um, and I, I, I smile and grin and wave because there's lots of, there's lots of uh, components to that. That's mm. absolutely true. Um, uh, we do get uh, to 
you know, listen to every kid read every day. We do mm. get to know, um, you know, exactly uh, how we can help uh, academically, but socially, emotionally. Uh, we do know what they, what happened on the weekend. Uh, we don't need rosters for show and tell. Um, you know, there's just such a, an important hub and uh, an integral part of their, their little lives um, in a way that um, I'm with you. I've worked at uh, a big, schools as well along the way mm. um but uh, this is just a lot more uh, personable uh you're a lot more connected um and you have a lot more ownership and responsibility over the entire academic and social emotional journey mm. um it doesn't come without challenges <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, and it's an interesting uh, point because i think if uh if it was just a, a teaching role, then it would be um, it'd be one of the better gigs. Uh, despite what you say, like you know, you're exactly right in identifying um, you know prep through to grade six, um, and so the the challenges that that cross age tutoring um, can bring, and and making sure that all the learnings that everyone's just right uh, position, uh, but it's probably the amount of hats uh, that I have to wear. That, mm. that changes it from uh, the world's cushiest uh, gig that uh, some of the outsiders might suggest yep. into yeah. um, into something that people say, oh, well, you, you've got a few plates to spin there. Yeah. Well, what are some of those other things? I know we've had this conversation before and and I was, uh, it's just, it just, I totally, I wouldn't expect it. So what, what are some of those other roles that you have? Yeah, so everything that you would in um, in a bigger school from a, a governmental, uh, you know, policy and departmental policies and procedures is, you know, more than a policy per day of the calendar year that we have to uh, abide by. Um, there's a, a million different admin things, initiatives, uh annual in implementation plans, strategic plans, yeah. communities of practice, um, swags, uh, A3 pages just littered with uh, acronyms and, and yeah. ideas, um, all the way through to really, really practical hands-on things that's uh, just facilities, uh, maintenance. Um, I can be on a shovel at the start of a day, uh, mower. Um, it's hard to get a plumber out here, so... Yeah, uh, we've got we've got a, a toolkit for that sort of stuff. Um, flat pack furniture. Yeah, uh, it's it's really wide variety of things, as well as being a, a genuine hub for the wider community. Uh, yeah. We're lucky enough here to have uh, a pub, a shop, uh, fuel, and a school, um, and they're really important aspects of uh, of the local community and connection for people. And so being an active part of that sort of stuff with uh, uh, fundraisers and concerts and, um, you know, Christmas and, and Easter's uh, our responsibility and as is uh, Anzac Day and things like that. So mm. um, building um, those community-wide initiatives, some of it we're a small part of, some of it we are the hub for, but working in with our local community leaders and volunteers to deliver that to not just our students here, but to the to the wider community as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think such a, and I think it's around roughly two hundred people by my research in Everton, um, roughly. And I guess that's you're right. Like at small schools and small communities, they, I guess they rely on each other 
to put on those events. And I guess the school does play a major role in that. And what you were going back then, Ken, when we had the conversation, it just totally slipped my mind, like a, a small school that someone like yourself as a, as a principal, you've got a teaching role, you've got that admin, which just because you're a small school, it's just as much as a school with 500, but you still got to do those, the policies and the data collections and things like that. But then also the, the thing that's totally slipped my mind was the, the maintenance and the gardening. You're you're the gardener, you're the maintenance person, you're <laughs> you're everything. It's it's one of those things where you could be there, as you say, like on a shovel first thing in the morning and fixing something like well when it, well people well and truly gone home after you've done all the, the policy stuff. So I think that's where something that I really didn't think of. And I think that's one of the things that maybe others don't consider as well about have been at a small school. There is a lot more to it than just being there teaching the students um, at the school. Um, Kevin, I've just got a question about the age, the gap. So how's the classes or the class structure at Everton? Obviously, you've got prep right through to year six. Are they all in the same class or are they divided up? How, how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. And it highly depends on the activity that we're doing. Um, yeah. We we try to pitch activities uh, that have multiple ins and outs of everything that we do. So uh, for example, if it's uh, sport or PE, um, we'll all be out together, but then there's different expectations and different skills that we're developing along those ways. Yeah. Um, you can't help but uh, feel like it's a, a part of a family at, at times because um, you you're expecting those older kids to be role models instantly. So it builds in some really good empathy, uh, empathy and uh, leadership skills just Mm. by its very nature. Um, And it often gives, uh, you know, the younger kids a chance to really um, accelerate their learning quickly as well because they've got those older role models that they can just look up to and they start to build those expectations really quickly and they can see, you know, the end game for a lot of these things. And, and want to be there quickly. Um, through to uh, when we're doing reading, uh, as I touched on earlier, it's it's very individualized. Mm. So, so we can grab two kids at a time, not eight in a group. Um, yeah. Three, you know, one-on-one and get that really uh, interventionist type uh, stuff as well as the general uh, teaching uh, in there. We can make different links that you can't, in um, you know in a same age classroom and share different experiences around some of the text you're reading and things, um, we have to be really sharp with uh, how we organise the individual education plans. Yeah. Just to make sure that that point of need um, is is always there throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess um, it, with such as a small school, do you? With the with the leaders, is there always that age group where, I guess, I'm not sure if this is going to come out right. This question, but where you've got the is it, basically how many how many year sixes or year fives you got at the moment in that group <laughs> compared to like the the preps? Yeah, true. It, it, it's interesting uh, the line of questioning because it's it's the outsider's curiosity of how that might work. Like this yeah. is actually you know a frequent. Uh, conversation that we have. And, and like I said, I surround myself with some honest people who get me very much grounded, <laughs> sometimes too much. Um, and uh, and trying to work out the the art and the science of it and the time tabling, what's your instructional model and who's your 
senior improvement team, um, trying to actually decode it all um, is very difficult to do because it can look different on different days mm. uh, as well. So um, we have a balance throughout our age levels at the moment. One of the things that we do um, that's one of those extra added extracurriculum type ideas uh, and considerations is um, we we really couple closely with um, Karara Gamanji. Bonus yes. points if you can spell that one, mate. Uh, oh, and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd know that one now because um, you know that's how uh, we uh, um, yeah. you know have managed to engage uh, the services of uh, you with Grown with Gratitude. Um, that's not something that we could have done by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but putting ourselves out there um, and linking up with that school gives the kids that opportunity for that cross-age peer, but also um, these Mondays that we get together, um, that chance to be with kids from their own age group. So what it looks like today for that learning and that, uh, those subjects and uh, is different to what mm. it will, will look like tomorrow. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's a dynamic, flexible, agile environment that we operate in and, and we're very lucky to have uh, the right staff and the right culture around that to to make it to make it happen for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, just yeah, you touched on that then, um, Cara. I'll just say Cara because it's uh, the pronunciation I've got. <laughs> Can you say it again, Cara? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like a lot of these little towns. There's there's, there's different uh, dialects. You would get away with Karagamanji, yeah. but the locals would prefer you uh, with the Karagamanji. And it's it's the actual meaning of that's an um, Aboriginal word for, uh, what is it, fish? Yeah, it's, it's um, around the Murray Cod, which yeah. um, which is their, uh, you know, the, the waterways around these parts. And yeah. in my bio, you know, we touched on the, um, the Ovens River and the connection uh, that we that we have in these parts to that. And that was, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the... Um, the connections that uh, Cara have with the with the fish as their logo as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so just just got a bit off track there, but yeah, it's um, as you mentioned before, Kevin. I've been lucky enough to come out to um, we hosted at Cara, but Everton um, joined the Cara kids, and we did a, a full day workshop across the day with all students from um, prep to year six, because Cara's got what twenty odd students, and Everton obviously got seven. So it was a great day where everyone came together and we had a fantastic day. Then a couple of weeks later, we did a bit of a parent evening, which was great fun as well. But I guess, because I think it's about 15 minutes away, isn't it? Cara and Everton, it's so good that the kids come together and I guess, I guess um, they're not around because there's so few of them. It's good to be around other kids as well, because I, I don't know, is there, how, how does the behavior go? Do they get sick of each other when there's seven kids or does it work for you? Work pretty well. Um, yeah. Look, as I'm looking out now, I'm uh, I'm just at the the corner of our schoolyard, um, and looking over and seeing, um, you know, where the Everton blue and and Cara green, and they're actually engaged in a in a cooking program today, where they're um, you know, they're participating together with making rissoles and and various kebabs and uh, really corn on the on the barbecue outside, and I'm looking around. And just seeing the nice mix of blue and green shirts together. Yeah. Um, having said that, they really, I mean, they, they love being together like this, but it is challenging. Um, yeah. And then they love their, their own space. So for us, it's a really important part just to, to test those waters and to build mm. those social um, capabilities. They yeah. definitely do like 
the space and um, and the the quietness of of seven and the individual attention. They get very used to having you know um, an adult around to answer or to solve problems. So mm. it's good to throw up uh, various challenges in these group situations that yeah. we can uh, you know work with them uh, through to to say yeah yeah that's that's sort of how. <laughs> But I avoid the real world because I've worked in lots of different uh, scenarios and, you know, you could get, they could go off to work in a, in a place where there's only two people who work there and that is their real world. Or they could, yeah. you know, work in a dynamic place like a hospital where a hundred uh, on a shift is normal as well. So um, it's just, it's different, um, but it, but it's certainly a, a good different and, and there's different challenges and different things to learn along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. You just mentioned something about like you could work, they could end up working in a workplace with two people or a hundred, um, depending on what career path like the students decide to go down. With the transition from primary school to high school or secondary school, so obviously, as you say, the particularly they get good one on one or very small group um, attention. And when they go to the high school, how, how does that transition go? Is there any I guess um, just, I'm not sure the procedure is the right word, but any yeah. any work that you do do with those students, and I guess for a start, how big's the school that they generally go to, um, and do that? Have you found that they do find that challenging that transition? Uh, so Glenroe and where I used to work is part of that wider cluster with us, so we operate closely with Cara, but wider again. Um, is uh, seven schools yep. and the catchments are all the same. They head into Wangaratta. Yep. So we've identified that um, from a long time ago that uh, our, our kids in, you know, especially grades five, six need to need to see each other a lot because there's only three real main feeder schools. Uh, they are all large. Uh, and even our large primary schools in, in our cluster, we're still talking a hundred kids. So there's still very small cohorts of kids moving into systems that have uh, 700 uh, and the other two are over a thousand uh, students. So every, every single uh, kid in our cluster are going from uh, a, a little pond into uh, the deep blue sea. So yeah. we do a lot of things together. We build that in from a young age and then ramp it up into that five, six air, uh, area. They'll go on um, camps together. They do, uh, performances and things like that together. There'll be um, shows where we um, get together. There's wellbeing programs where sometimes we'll um, swimming lessons with other schools. So we look for um, you know tens of different ways yep. that how are we going to do this smarter together? Yeah. Uh, because we've chased down some of these um, these kids and they've come back to us uh, later in the years and and you know verbalised that. Gee whiz, was great because I knew Sarah, you know, yeah. and and hadn't didn't necessarily not best friends or whatever, but a point of contact when yeah. I walked into, you know, seven G, uh, mm. and yeah. and there's that many other people. I knew somebody from our class, yeah. and so they've just got that little bit of uh, you know safety and and recognition of normal. Um, so we absolutely build that, um, you know, wider into our transition, but. Even with the way they operate, um, you know, like I mentioned before, they're so used to having uh, a teacher and assistants, mm. you know, on on hand at all times. Um, just building that student voice and agency, especially into those five six um, sessions, where here's the question and go, and where would you go for help, and what does that look like? Um, 
working with uh, Lynn Sherratt in that area and her five questions. So, yeah, yeah. just um, building that independence, um, which which isn't easy for them to, uh, to do because they go, you're yeah. just there. Why don't you help me? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I won't be just here um, next year. So, uh, yeah, having those uh, open, honest conversations about, you know, this is for you uh, yeah. and this yeah. is for, for next year and beyond. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's uh, I, I didn't realise that so much, I guess, effort and opportunities for the students to, I guess, be around those students who they will go to secondary school um within that cluster actually happens that that's amazing that that um that you made that happen within your within that cluster because that would be, be a massive massive help for the students as you say because i know that i mean i remember going when i started at high school I, I went to um a school that no one went to from my primary school and i knew one just one student that i played sport with sorry Mm, that ouch! I was just saying that's yeah. it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm building that picture for, for poor little Asher, sort of looking around and going, "Oh, hang on a minute! There's a lot yeah. of, uh, lot of grey shirts roaming around here, and I don't know one." Yeah, yeah. and uh, it, it, it was, it was, a bit, it was in very, it was quite daunting. And but just as you say, just having knowing one person just made it so much more comfortable. So if they don't, if no one's, I mean, even if there's only one year six students, say at. The school, at least they know, as, as you say, know at least someone and a familiar face just to, I guess, build that comfort on on the first very first day. And obviously, as time goes on, they do make other friends as well. But um, that's a really, really good uh, initiative there for the transition, mate. Um, now, I was just quite interested to know with, I guess, even oh, obviously COVID's played a, particularly in Victoria's played a real um, major, well, played a real major sorry i'll start again had a massive impact in victoria um and i don't know if around everton and wangrata in the peak of covid if if those towns were really affected because i know some victorian regional areas were in lockdown but they didn't really have any cases but because the victorian government just locked everything down it did have an impact on them um and i was just wondering being in such a small town even if it wasn't COVID related, what's the situation of the well-being within those rural communities? I guess at the moment, as a whole. Yeah, look, it was it was a trifecta for us. Um, we'd had uh, fires uh, and the smoke that uh, that affected us just as much afterwards. Yep. Into uh, some flooding, um, wider, but also some local flooding as well as well. Uh, into another, you know, mass trauma event um, that that COVID was, mm. uh, and like you touched on, um, not many cases, so it wasn't yet the the nurses that were feeling the pinch. Um, that was still to come, and and you know, will for a long time, no doubt. Uh, it was the pressures on uh, schools and communities and homes to mm. to know that nobody's sick. But for mm. the for the greater good, uh, the message was to to try to homeschool, which meant, you know, they're they're doing those things um, from home or remote learning, and then the, the language got uh, specific around what that might uh, look like and guidelines. Um, it was like I said, it was it was back to back to back for us. So mm. we'd gone through a lot uh, of, you know, especially in the off season uh, when people would normally. Um, you know, wave goodbye and won't see you for a few weeks 
and then the the fires would kick in and and your local community was in in danger um mm. and if and if it wasn't your house directly then it was someone you knew um and then you hear some of the stories of uh you know where schools were used as as respite centers um yes uh and community hubs and sort of just in that that what if cycle of um well, well if we get a win from that way then that's going to bring this community in will they use this will they want that um i hope everyone's okay so it started for us we, we were used to this mass trauma here mm. in our region uh, so when covid kicked in it was something that we could all uh sort of suffer through together in a lot of different ways yeah. it's just that common uh trauma uh, that we'd had a little bit of practice at and we sort of already knew how to get around each other um and and, and bend and sway as much as you can you change mm. what you can change uh influence what you can influence and and as best you can put outside um the things that are outside your influence try mm. and um try and file those away yeah um and i think those those messages were probably uh the ones that we came back to that mm. that idea here yeah, of, um you know yeah. sphere of influence and and if you can't change i can't change the wind yeah. can't change yeah. the rain i can't you know but we can have influence over this and we can action that stuff so mm. for us it was um we had a combination of our family's uh, needs uh, around education and we that's how we approached it um i know some schools went and you'd have to if you're large you have to make a decision you're going to go to paper you're going to go to digital mm. um and make some arrangements around that we tried to be really personable that's what we pride ourselves on um in the in the normal season in their normal nine to five so when adversity came, uh, we tried to really stick true to those values. We'd have a, a, a WebEx meeting every morning where we'd check in with uh, everyone. We'd have one-on-one -on -one reading sessions. Uh, there would be a mix of technology and paper depending on their capabilities and where they were at. Um, and we really just drilled down into that core message of connect with us, stay with us, we're here for you. How can we help? Mm. And how, how did, um, or what were some of those things? Like, obviously, you, you spot on some things we just can't control, like, as you mentioned, the wind in bushfire situations. What, what sort of things did you do, I guess, to work with the community from a school perspective? I guess, to, uh, I know that you had the WebEx meetings, but what were some of those things that you were able to implement that you did have control over? Uh, we quickly worked out that technology uh, was was a massive advantage. Um, yeah. If they had uh, if they had a tablet or if they had a computer at home, um, that there's a lot of good online learning programs that we can admin. Yeah. Um, and then it, it's pretty good for independent learning, just to take that strain off parents thinking like they had to be the tutor or the yeah. or the teacher and. Um, so we made sure that uh, the technology was out there. Um, we uh, gave them computers or, or tablets, or whatever that might mean. Yeah. Now that's a scale that you just can't do at a thousand kids school. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, <laughs> it, that's a difficult task. Uh, for here, we, we can do those things. Um, be it, do you want to borrow a printer? You know, is that, is that yeah. how you'd like to operate? <laughs> we can do that. You know, here's, yeah. a, here's a printer for 
So we had sometimes the, the scale um, works against us. The scale for adminning NAPLAN, for example, works mm. against us because I do this, <laughs> a similar amount of initial admin than what you would in a secondary school. Yep. Um, whereas the scale of this project absolutely worked because we could say, righto, what do we need? Two tablets and two desktops? Can do. Mm. Um, yep. We can make that happen. Uh, and here it is, come and pick it up and, uh, and work through those technical issues as well to make sure they're up and running and that, you know, that was just one example of how we could sort of help on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what about yourself, mate, during that time? How did you manage your own, I guess, well-being and what extra pressures were put on you? Or did you find that you felt, I don't know, the weight of the world on your shoulders, so to speak, or you kept quite calm during that time? How, how did you feel during that? that time uh as is sort of different um depending on the day and and which hat i was wearing i suppose yeah. um at a as a citizen like it's tricky because uh i was one of the essential workers so yeah um i and as a principal like had to be at the school yeah um and then knowing that i was leaving behind uh you know three three kids in my house who were, uh, you know, doing their remote learning program uh, with their mum who was working uh, at the time and trying to do that work from home task as yeah. well as juggle though. So I, I couldn't be present during a, an absolute time of need for, for my parent, uh, for my for my family and, and to do that parent role yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, because, you know, because this one had to come first. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it just just challenging i suppose but having to uh daily literally daily going through the updated covid guidelines how many how many mm -hmm. of these uh air, air purifiers do we need running today and what's the maintenance schedule on those yeah, and yeah. what what notes do i need on the gate and which ones need to be emailed and what's the protocol for there was a lot of daily what ifs yeah, um yeah. which could take endless amounts of precious time um, and then nothing actually happened. We didn't have a COVID case or uh, we didn't have a visitor to the, so there was a lot of prep work that was in hindsight fairly unnecessary, necessary yeah. to have in place, but not actually used. And you sort of yeah. look back and go, oh, I worked so hard yesterday and got nothing done. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there was, uh, there was those frustrating times. Look, the winds, the winds though were when, we literally could, you know, when um, the technology worked and the and the WebEx would be on there and you could say, morning, everyone. And they'd, you know, at, soon learned, I, I had a schedule so we could be, you know, on and off in this amount of time so that they could go and do their tasks and, and soon learned that at the start, all the kids wanted to do was talk to their mates. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so we just sort of opened it up for 15 minutes so they could connect uh, digitally. Um, and and then it was, okay, uh, time for a little bit of a teacher time and how you what challenges you find so that that was that was both challenging and and rewarding um you know as as i think i found it as a bit of a citizen like it was a time mm. to relax and spend more time at home um but also challenging knowing that not many people were actually sick out in the community um and uh you know walking around the block was frowned upon at certain stages and yeah so so uh, conflicting and, and certainly due for a rest at the end of it all.
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> can imagine, mate. So, I, I, were you, I just can, I can just imagine that would have been. Were you the only person at the school? Were you, or the, or the teachers considered essential workers, or you as principal were considered essential worker? Yeah, a lot of the time, um, I was the only person at school. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's um, I think it's one of those things where, I think that would be yeah tricky, pretty lonely. Um, I would say at times for sure. But uh, mm. yeah, well done on getting through that because I can imagine that would have been a very challenging, really, well, at least 12 months, maybe longer. Um, being in Victoria, and I mean, me being in South Australia, like for that time, that was, we didn't have anywhere near as um, many lockdowns and um, issues as you did in Victoria. But I know that's in the in the past now. So hopefully we're all, um, we're all past that those lockdowns and things like that, which I'm pretty sure we are, but have you found any, I guess, um, what's the right word? The, I guess anything that's continued on during that time, any, I guess, effects that it's had on your students or is it, or are they young enough to adapt quite quickly back to a normality and they've sort of moved past that? What, what have you seen there? We're striving for post-traumatic growth. Did a lot mm. of work with uh, Dr. Rob Gordon, uh, and I just love that idea that you know what doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you strong. You know that idea of uh, completing the loop and and packaging up and acknowledging it, um, but but also growing and learning from it and being you know potentially more resilient and stronger. Uh, the other side of it, um, for us, that was that was a really important part of the of the journey. Um, I'm an active member in the in the wider community as well yeah. as education, and and really closely linked with the the soccer club that is uh, that has 400 members. Um, yep. And so we're seeing the wider trends there as well as the individual. I get to you know drill down and see that the individual impacts really, really solidly here. Um, but but it's the wider impacts that also uh, really interest me. And so you'll find that. Some age groups are disengaged with sports. Really hard to to get them back in playing that team sport. Or you see yeah. the twelve year olds, and you just you build into your thinking nowadays. When when something's not working right, you go, oh, that's right. They sort of missed two years of mm. you know a particular whatever, be it social skills or or sport, or, you know, community sport or connection or whatever it might be. So. Mm. Um, yeah, certainly I can see that not only here, but, but in the, the wider community, it, it's just part of our, our thinking now to put in consideration, oh, of course they, you know, they missed this for two years or, um, you know, they experienced this for two years. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those, uh, I guess they've been involved in a club like that. You would certainly notice those, um, as you mentioned, those trends and I'm thinking that you mentioned about some of the age groups, like. I reckon are they the teenagers who haven't maybe that fifth, that fourteen to sixteen year old that aren't playing sport as as much as they used to, or is it a different age group? It's it seems an interesting uh, seems an interesting model that one because we've got definitely um, those pressures uh, in other clubs, yeah, uh, and yet ours our sixteens. Um, we had uh, 25 kids try it for 16 oh, right. spots. Yep. So it it doesn't seem to be universal across our region. Yeah, right. Uh, perhaps some of that, though, is because we were one of those border towns um, with 
you know, the Murray River and Albury uh, just yeah. an hour up the road. So for us, they, they their COVID experience was different. Mm. Um, New South Wales handled it different. Uh, one of the one of the things that uh, they got to do was play golf, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and they didn't yeah. see that as a contact sport. So that was uh, that was good for them. But um, yeah, the the idea of those age groups and trying to pick the actual trend uh, yeah. is a little bit tricky. Um, 12s for us, um, you can see it's it's a lot of their developmental. They've missed sort of two years of that coaching and instruction, and they've come in as uh, like mini roos, you know, junior junior yep. players without that knowledge around the structure and the and the skills that uh, that would have potentially been developed uh, if you know if things were normal. Absolutely, no, it's really interesting. I guess uh, I think um, from what I've just noticed in over here in South Australia in particular with, with um, sport, like you're, you're right. There's some age groups that are really thriving and others are just struggling for numbers. And I guess COVID might've had a bit of impact on that or other interests come up. Um, technologies, I think has got a, a big part to play in that with the maybe kids aren't playing sport. There's more opportunities and other interests that they may develop that aren't. Um, allowing the sport because I think the reason why sport's so important is it's got so much value to I guess social emotional skills that if kids are playing sport at a young age particularly team sport they develop the skills that can help them in other areas of life as they get older Um, and that's what I've certainly noticed looking back at my journey of wanting to play professional sport then um, you know going down a different path but I learned so many skills from playing sport that has helped me later in life um, and it just yeah, hopefully that yeah, we want as many kids playing sport because not only it's good for that that side of things, but it's also good for our mental well-being. Being active, physically active, is one of those ways that we can um, improve our mood. So hopefully that we can uh, make sure that we stick, we'll kill, we'll encourage young people to stick with their sport as long as they can, and hopefully into adulthood also because it does have huge benefits. Um, Kevin, just one more thing. I'm very conscious of time here, and uh, we will finish up very shortly, but. With your wellbeing initiatives at Everton, so how, how do you structure your wellbeing? Do you allocate time? Um, because it's a smaller school, you can be quite flexible of how that fits in. There could be opportunities that pop up across the day for some, I guess, social emotional learning through different things that come up. How, how do you guys do it at Everton? Yeah, that's our that's our coffee machine uh, chat. Um, it's it's always around uh, how are the kids going. Uh, what have they? Uh, what have they been up to on the weekend? What do you know about this? So mm. we've got a very small staff, clearly, but with a few part timers rolling through, uh, it means that we need to keep those conversations at the forefront. Yeah. Um. And it and it creates a culture. Um. We don't have well being meetings. Um. You know, on a on a Thursday at three forty five to to four fifteen. Yeah. Because we would have missed six days. Um. If something went wrong. On yep. Friday, um, ours is very much point of need, um, yep. and morning can be different to afternoon, obviously, and um, so we're in constant uh, communication around those points, and it's really it's an embedded culture about what we believe and and how we go about helping, and and the well, I suppose it's the order of operation, like you're not going to learn unless you're ready and you're open and you feel safe and, yep. and all those other precursors like Maslow sort of alluded yeah. to. So yep. um, 
we we participate in a lot of professional learning around that. Um, one of the one of the things that I like to do after I got a handle here, um, of, you know, of, of Everton Primary School, completely take on board uh, people's opinion. Mm. You mentioned it yourself. Oh, it must be easy with seven, um, and and acutely aware of my impact. I want to be really strong and have a, a really good impact on on the seven students that are in front of me. But also, as I'm gaining this knowledge, I'm keen to share it in a wider format as well. Yep. So one of the um, one of the leads that I've taken is around the community of practice um, across seven schools. More uh, this year in trauma informed practice. Yep. Uh, so that's us reaching out to the ACF, making space, uh, and uh, having a look at the impacts on that, and and how we can build those in and embed those into individual education plans, but just as importantly across all our staff, a uh, lot of initiatives start um, at, the, at the principal level uh, and then get spreadsheeted or tick boxed out uh, to other people. We're, we're lucky to know that the the impact really is felt uh, at, at every everyone's uh, jobs and, and at everyone's point of view. And so we've put a lot of work into our educational support staff to make sure they're up to speed and and that they know that, you know, you're actually doing a great job. Sometimes, you know, that particular student at, at that particular time does need space. I know you want to fix it now, but it's not yet time to do that. So right now what you're doing by being nearby or being calm or guiding or whatever it might be mm. is actually a, a researched uh, approach. Uh, you're doing the right thing. Um, and we thank you for your service. We need to keep as many good people in education as we, as we possibly can. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see that wider impact uh, that that we can have uh, once we master our own little pond to be able to share a little bit wider as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, spot on with um, being, I guess, such a small school and being able to expand that out. That's yeah, having a um, even greater impact is very, uh, yeah, something to be proud of there, mate. That's awesome. So, I think we'll we'll leave it there because I know that you've uh, personally have to go, but I've actually find that conversation we've just had really fascinating, particularly around um, yeah, the small school, some of the structures you have in place, the challenges, um, and also the community, like the whole community around the Everton area um, and surrounding towns about how important um, it is to come together and uh, such a, I guess, and the school plays such a major role in that. Um, and I know that, I guess, what's, Actually, one more question. With with seven students, what's the most it's been in your five years and what's the lowest it's been of number? Uh, 15 and yep. two. <laughs> Is that for, for two <laughs> students for the whole year? Uh, we jumped one year with, with just two students, correct? Yeah. Oh, that's mate. And is there, like, with the department, the school, if there's only two students, it's always going to be, no matter what, it's always going to be, unless there's no students, the school will always be open? Uh, so they look at it from a school council perspective. Um, yep. So a strong school council, strong committed school council, uh, have it and you have a school. Yeah, got you. That's interesting. But, um... uh, yeah, yep. It, it, it genuinely is. And and different challenges, obviously, throughout all those times and, and absolute bonus uh Strengths so of not not as much staff. They didn't have as many initiatives. So a lot of yeah. the time it was, um, yeah, very very thin on the ground. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that would be yeah. That would have been 
you, a couple of kids. Um, was there any? Was there a time that year when both the kids were sick on the same day and weren't there? <laughs> That's I'll have, I'll have to uh, dredge out the the spreadsheet. <laughs> I, I can't remember a day yeah. where uh, it was don't bother coming into work. That, yeah. that's a that is that is a space where your head goes. Some of the efficiencies um they just don't seem to roll out as quite as uh, as organised on the ground as what you'd you'd hope for. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, no, Kevin. Really appreciate that, mate. Um, thanks for your time. And um, if people um want to reach out, is there somewhere like you on social media, LinkedIn, or anything like that, or um, if people want to ask you a question about being a principal of such a small school? Oh, they could hit me up at uh, on the um website if they liked uh that's evident.ps yep uh, at education.vic.gov.au i'm assuming uh your editor will just put that in a link somewhere somehow yes mate and the editor is myself <laughs> um, so i'll be doing that ah there you go <laughs> one man show so you know what it's like um, yeah. you talk about being lonely and that but uh, i could only imagine you know the travel and you know in a lot of ways uh you get to spend a lot of time by yourself and people might say that's lonely but then you, ha- you get to come and have the impact uh that you did with us uh, at um, not just with the students, but I love the way your approach to work, train the trainer, work with the, with the teachers. And um, uh, as you know, we had a really good turnout for the, for the parent night. Yeah, and I'd be confident amazing. if we ran something like that again, uh, the feedback from that was, was really engaging and energetic, uh, which was, which was good. Cause that's what we promised them. Um, <laughs> and you, and you delivered in spades, mate. So uh, that was really nice. And some nice, uh, easy uh, take-homes and, and approaches. Um, and, and we roll out, just to answer your question uh, earlier, a little bit more too, um, in, in terms of our wellbeing program, how we're rolling out the, the growing with gratitude is a, a variety of things. So we've got the yep. self-help posters and we've got the um, you know displays and things so that it's constantly there, but it, it's now part of our speech and our talk. Um, yep. And we've even, um, because of the way the website rolls out with a lesson plan, it almost sounds like a shameless plug here. You've written me script. Um, we, we we actually feel confident giving it to CRT teachers yes. uh, when yeah. we get together with um, Cara and Everton to say, hey, um, this is the next one, the sequence. Yep. Can you roll that out? Uh, and the feedback around that's been really good. So that's been able, it just means that, you know, when you get those barriers of, oh, the, the normal teacher's not there, no, we better not do that. It yep. just means that we can roll on with the, the program, make sure that we're getting uh, as much of this essential, um, you know, yep. learning and well-being uh, messages out to kids. Yeah, absolutely. And that, it, I mean, on that, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to create a, an online platform like that. So it's really easy for teachers to teach. So um, they can come in and pick it up and run with it. And if I guess even if they weren't a teacher, I reckon most people would be able to like, at least run the lesson in some capacity. Well, obviously, if you're a teacher, it should be able to but be able to pick it up and run with it. So appreciate that feedback, mate. Very kind and um, wasn't expecting it, but uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. <laughs> no, just um, uh, just segue uh, into it, mate. That's right. That's right. No, I appreciate the time, Kevin. And um, yeah, I'm sure that people have taken a lot away from our conversation. Though. I've just dropped everything. And as I wrap up. <laughs> that was the mic drop. Yeah, it was the mic drop. Mic. <laughs> right at the last second. Um, that's right. Uh, it's, uh, it just shows that we're um, yeah, there. We go. <laughs> it's going by the seat of our pants, man. That's right. <laughs> All right. Really appreciate your time, Kevin, and um, thanks for being on the podcast today. Ah, uh, great. Um, absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for uh, for inviting me on, mate. And we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. Excellent. Thanks, Kevin. See you, Ash.